If you haven't been to the Feeds website yet, it's time you went and checked it out. It's your one-stop shop for all things triathlon nutrition. The Feed basically have all of the world's best training and race day nutrition products in one place, so you don't have to do multiple orders from multiple websites and pay shipping on all of them. Or you don't have to go to the effort of driving around to different shops to get different products. You can just head to the Feeds website and it's all there in one place for you. So like I said, if you haven't gone and checked it out, you should go and do that right now. You'll see for yourself how easy it makes buying all of your training and racing nutrition. It's also a really good way to look at nutritional products you never knew existed and try them out by chucking them on top of your order and seeing if they might work for you. Thefeed.com. It really is your number one resource for all things triathlon nutrition. Welcome to the Triathlon Hour. Uh, my name is Belinda Granger and joining me here today, we have no other than, than Marinda, Rini Carfrey and Beth McKenzie. We have hijacked uh, the podcast, the Triathlon Hour from Jack Kelly. I'm not sure we're going to give it back yet. We'll make that decision at the end of this podcast. But the three of us have been asked to come on here today to give, well, just for some discussion and to give our opinion on who we feel are going to be the main contenders this Saturday for the Ironman World Championships Women's edition and Kona. Uh, Beth, you are the only one that is actually physically on Kona right now, in Kona right now. Can you let us know? I mean, obviously, first time ever that it's a women's only event. Is the vibe different at all? Uh, it's race week. It's just started. It's just upon us. Is there anything different about it this year in comparison to years gone past? Well, it's Monday now of race week, and there are a lot of athletes here, and surprisingly, a lot of men as well. So I think a lot of guys have come out in full force to to not only watch the women, but because Kona is like just one of those places, such a special vibe, um, people still want to come no matter what. So it's kind of cool. Like it's it's neat that everyone here is gathering to see the women. But at the same time, I don't think it's quite as busy as it normally is. Um, it, it does seem very calm and positive, though. The locals seem to be really happy this year. It's just like a nice vibe on the island, which is great. Um, Luke and I have been getting the lay of the land, just, you know, doing our runs everywhere and, you know, checking out today. We checked out the energy lab and they've repaved the whole thing. And that was really cool to see. Mm -hmm. Um, just like some different things like that. The road conditions are really good this year. The weather seems pretty, pretty tame so far. So yeah, it's great vibes on the Island tomorrow. I'm going to try to get a swim to the coffee boat and do the usuals and wait for Miss <laughs> Rini to arrive. And Rini, when do you, 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 you arrive soon? I fly in tomorrow. So I, I'm in Tuesday afternoon and yeah, I'll be there obviously through Sunday um, after the race. But I wonder, um, you're, we're really, you're comparing it to last year because obviously we had double the number of athletes, 5,000 athletes last year. We had the men's women, sorry, on Thursday, the men's on Saturday, and that was pretty crazy. The last time they had it in Kona, like I am seeing that the numbers of the women are more like a couple more, like, you know, just like maybe 10 or 15 more athletes are registered for Kona than they were in 2019. Hmm. So I wonder like if it's, yeah, I mean, that, that was just an interesting, yeah. 
like thing to, to note because um, you know, obviously 2019 was prior to COVID. That was the last time that we had um, like Ironman world champs when it was men and women on the same day. And I think it was around 2,100 and change and it's around 2,100 and change athletes registered. Now, obviously uh, who knows how many will actually turn up and race, but um, yeah, so it's back to the same number as, you know, we've seen in you know many of the years past. Yeah, no, that that's true. And can we, can, can we, all three of us be really honest right now? Um, are we happy? That it's a separate race. Do we like? Do we actually like the idea of, of the men's race being somewhere else and the women's race being? Rick, Rick, don't worry about Kona. I'm just saying. Do we like the the, the separation of the professional men's and women's race? Um, not necessarily as in separation on days, but separation and location. I, I would love to get your opinion because I've I've sort of kept a little quiet on it because it's so much of the unknown, and I have no doubt that this weekend is going to be incredible. But if you had your choice, if you were able to choose, would you prefer the professional men and women to be back racing together again? Bit controversial. Yeah, well, I'll have different opinions on it. And like the three of us are coming from different perspectives too. Like mm-hmm. one of us works for Ironman still, Rini. Uh, one of us works for other organizations. One of us, me, I'm just a small business owner, ex-pro triathlete. But for us having like a a brand, it's actually been really, really difficult to separate the men and women because, um, we really, this year we said, okay, we're going to put all our eggs in all the baskets and try to make it to all the world championship events. And it's been, it's been a huge ask like on us, you know, budget wise, but also just time wise, leaving our families traveling around Mm -hmm. the world. So it is, it's really hard for, for us. And I can see that sort of carrying on to some of the athletes as well that like to race as couples or love to spectate the races. I think it makes it a lot harder. Um, that said, I do see the positives in it. I love that the women do have their own day, that there are now, you know, 55 professional women on the start line. That's really cool. And hopefully that will yeah. raise the bar in the future and, um, you know, start to get a higher level. But at the same time, I don't know. I missed the one day event. I loved the one day event. I loved racing with the men. I loved partying with the men afterwards. I <laughs> yes. loved everything around the race to yeah. me um, as a fan of the sport is just as important as the race. So it's hard for me, but I, I see the perspective on why Ironman is doing it for now. I don't know if it'll yeah. stay forever though. No, I, I agree with everything you've said. And, and I personally, completely personal reasons, I loved racing with the men as well. Working on the other side of the fence now, and Rini, you'll probably see this as well, working in commentary, I, I do get fed up. And this is across the board. It doesn't matter who you work for. I get fed up with live coverage, still majority of it focused on the men. So when we ever have the men and women's races on one day, we can have the greatest production companies known to mankind. But if you actually break it down, it is still heavy towards the men's race and lighter on the women's race. So the one thing that I know I'm going to love when I watch this weekend is we are, we've got the women's race 100%. So that part I'm looking forward to. And I just wish down the track that we could get that more 50-50 split when we do have races uh, on the same day. Uh, I know they say they do it now, but I'm sorry. I, I watch most race coverages every weekend and they don't do it and it kills me. So, yeah, I, I definitely, my own personal opinion is I love having the professional men and women racing in the one, on the one day um, in the same place. But I do think this is a fantastic opportunity for our women. And, my God, I look at that start list. I just looked at it again, obviously, for this podcast, and it is incredible. I was asked to give my top five uh, yesterday, and 
I thought I'd given a really good top five till I realized 20 minutes later that I'd missed out on Taylor Nibs. <laughs> I've completely forgotten she was racing. And, and you just think it's endless. There are, there are at least 10 women on that start line that could take the win on Saturday. And that's, that's incredible. Back in the day when I was racing, it was really only probably three women that you knew had a chance of winning. And now we've, it's blown out to around, you know, eight to 10 that could on their day win. And I think that's, it's truly exciting for the sport of, of women's triathlon. Yeah, I would agree uh, with everything you guys have said. Um, the only thing I would kind of add in there is I, I think it's amazing to have the women showcased on one day, but I would have to say that having the men and women race together is better. And I think mm. I think I've spoken to some age group women who have you know spent their whole lives trying to qualify for Kona, or they are like legit qualified, you know, Kona qualifiers, and now it seemed like spots were given away almost yeah this world championship so they sort of feel slighted now that it doesn't have this hold the same weight but then you know what comes first the chicken or the egg right like you want to promote women's racing you want to give more opportunity um and more slots to the women at the world championship events but is this the way to go about it i don't know um i love that we have five pro women on the start line Uh, i think you know, regardless of whether we're racing on the same day or not, um, that'd be amazing. Honestly, I, I love the two day event last year. Yes, it was crazy. Mm. And Ability Island um, couldn't take it, but um, yeah, I mean, what's the alternative, right? Like either go back to the one day event, which I would love to see or move it from Kona. And I think mm. you can't move it from Kona. I just think no, no. there's too much history and, 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 and also it's twofold. Like there are lots of pro um, athletes that, are phenomenal athletes everywhere else in the world and they just never could get it right in Kona I was fortunate that I could get it right in Kona and and I like had an amazing career because of that so for the pro so I think the pros perspective is it's great that it moves so it's different athletes a chance and obviously the best athlete will be able to sort of get it together on pretty much any course but um yeah there definitely were some phenomenal athletes over the years that just couldn't get it right in Kona so I don't know like I don't know what the answer is. Um, I would love to, you know, see the, you know, one of one venue come back um, and whether it's like one day for both or men and men yes. on one day and women on the mm-hmm. other day. And the other thing is you know, that last year, in fact, the commentary for the women's race got more views than the men's. Um, so the first day, yeah. Which is pretty uh, cool. Which is awesome. Which, which shows that, okay, we need to cover the women's race more. And um, I don't know, I think, there's so many stories. And as you said, BG, and at my count, I have seven women who could legit have all the tools to win on Saturday. And that's just yeah. unprecedented. Um, and yeah, it's really hard to, you know, Jack asked us to pick a top three. Um, and oh, I, no, I'm, I don't want to do it. Oh. I don't want to do it either. Cause it's just like, it's too hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's too hard. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's wonderful. We're showcasing women and it'll all be focused on the women. I think it's going to be a phenomenal race fireworks. I can't wait to call this one. I'm really excited to get the opportunity to do it. Um, but yeah, the the whole like debate, I don't know what the right answer is. It's so hard, right? Yeah. And and Beth, one question I want to ask you as well. Um, are you seeing less vendors in Kona? So the expo is actually not totally set up yet, but um, in Nice, I think there were definitely less vendors. And for us, just very transparency wise, um, we went to Finland for the 70.3 world and had the men and the women, and we had an amazing expo. Sales were awesome. It was so good. Um, Nice was about 
a third of that because at the end of the day, there were only a third of the participants. So next year when we're looking at, you know, whether or not we're going to attend all the world championships events, unfortunately, we also have to look at whether or not it fits in the bottom line. You know, we're the biggest fans of the sport and we will make it happen no matter what, but you just never know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There are a lot of women's brands here in Kona, which is cool. That's cool to mm -hmm. see. Um, but we'll see, I don't know. I'll let you know once the expo is set up. Mm -hmm. One last thing I wanted to say about racing together is I think a unique thing about the three of us is that we've all raced with our husbands on the course at the same time. And I think that was really special for all of us. And so I can see how that would be really special for um, age group athletes as well, whether or not it's on the same day, but being at the same venue, I think venue. Yeah. I just felt like Nice was missing something with that, like with um, having women there, mm -hmm. even a lot of the guys were commenting that it was, you know, a sausage fest, really. So I, I just don't know if we're going in the room. Well, the it's true. So early in my career, we had like, the pro women had a lot of frustration because we were, first of all, we started with the men. So we were like, yeah. they were in the female race and that was- I remember, just and it was scary. It was scary. And I'm not, I don't scare easily in this women. I, I, I used to get scared. It was- yeah, but then on the bike, like the, the best women were sort of mingling in with the like mid-pack men, you know, like our abilities are so similar. Like, the you know, second 50% of the men's and the top 50% of the women's, they're very similar. But then when you start together, and that was like going back to, you know, 2009, 10, I think, um, it just wasn't fair um, and it affected the race. But then they found a way, you know, they started us earlier. They started the, and, and the age groupers was started, you know, well after us. So we had a Great big gap. They weren't even catching me and I was in the back of the field. <laughs> I know, like I felt like I was a terrible swimmer and so once they made that adjustment and had like a sizable gap from the men to the women and then from the women to the age groups, I think it was like 25 minutes we had buffer to the age groupers. And that was a big issue too, because they were pulling through like the slower swimmers and I'm one of the slower swimmers. Um, but I remember like once they made that adjustment, it was like maybe it was passed by one age group and it was going so much faster than the last sort of, yeah. it wasn't an issue at all. So they, they figured out how to time us well, where we had our own race but we still had, you know, our husbands or, you know, the men out there racing. So there were two races going on. And I think they've thrown around the idea of having two broadcast shows covering one, covering the men's and one covering the women's um, as an option. Too. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know if everyone knows what, I mean, everyone knows obviously that you guys are massive legends in anyone's book, but <laughs> mine, okay. So Rini, how many Konas have you raced? I did 10. From which years? I raced uh, 2009 through to 19 and I missed um one year I missed uh 17 because Isabel was born and you won three times right mm -hmm. and Belinda how many did you race I raced 10 but don't ask me the dates because I can't remember <laughs> 1942 right yeah 1942 to 1958 <laughs> or something um I definitely raced it 10 times I DNF'd once and I came and not in this particular order. I've come sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth, and fourteenth. Wow. Oh, and what was the last year that you did it? <laughs> oh, Beth. Um, can we have a rain check on that? I'll just I'll just look up on the I'll just look it I'll up. I was just trying I to figure out if we all three overlapped at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to I raced you. I raced you in ten. Well, nine ten? for sure. I raced ten. Ten was my first year, but as an age grouper. 
So we all raced in 2010, but that was probably our only overlap. I definitely raced you, BG, more than once. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, but how, how do I not know this? I'm sure it was 2009 and 10, yeah. I wanted everyone to know all the experience that you guys come from when talking about the race, and it's it's really cool. And I I always love hearing the stories. So hopefully one time we should come back. Okay, because today we're here to talk about the women's race this year. But Jack, <laughs> coming back to have, we're going to come back for like a wine talk and just have yes. like a, a round you. table. Let's, let's wait till we're all in Noosa and we can actually be drinking wine. <laughs> do this properly. Exactly. I like that idea. I, I, I do right. my finest work over a couple of glasses of wine. Everyone knows that. <laughs> no, I'm like way off. I've, I've like been pregnant for seven and a half months. And I know, Rini. Really, you're letting the t- you're letting the team down. Let me tell you. I'm just that I put that. Don't in worry. I'll make up know. for it, BG. You know me. I know. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on to this year. Where do we start? Where do we begin? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I think this. I in my at my count, and this is not. I mean, it's hard to like count. There's some other women. But I think Sadaro, Barclay, uh, Charles Barclay, Hug, Riff, Nib, Philip, Matthews, all have a chance yeah. of winning. Mm. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, obviously, the person you, you look at first is the defending champion. I mean, that's the normal way in uh, the Ironman World Championships. You always look at the defending champion from the year before and with Chelsea Sadaro. And, you know, let's be honest, she hasn't had the perfect year. Um not that anyone really does have the perfect year, but it's been up and down for her and she'd be the first one to admit to that. But she always seems to, wherever she's at beforehand, she's able to bring herself back together. She's She's got herself to Kona early, there with a coach. She's been training. She looks amazing. Um, I think the main thing with Chelsea is upstairs. I don't think it's the physical. I think physically she looks in great shape, no injuries to, to, to speak of. It's if she's got a head around the head in the game and the head around the fact that she's coming in as defending champ. Now, Rini, Beth and I can't speak from experience here. And I think you know better than anyone, you know, when you win your first world championship, it's amazing. Uh, it's incredible. And I'm sure she did. I'm sure last year she didn't go in there thinking, right, this is mine. I'm going to win it. It would have been a little spark at the at the back of the head saying, you know, I, if I have the day I know I'm capable of, yes, I could become world champion. But until it actually happens and it's reality, but then, you know, fast forward a year and now you're coming in as the defending champ, the pressure that comes with that. I mean, there's no way that she can go into this race with the same mindset as she did last year. So I just, I just wonder how that's playing with her and whether she's able to handle that. Yeah, I'd agree with that, um, BG, uh, coming in as defending champ. Like Chelsea was an, a name that, you know, I definitely – threw around last year like as someone mm. who could be a dark horse uh but you know being a dark horse is a nice place to be right like no Absolutely. one's really into you to do anything they like you know she had she had a phenomenal day she swam like probably one of her best swims and then she was on the bike and she was there all day she was smart she was calculated and then she just got off and ran and she knows how to run this girl um outside of Annie Hag and Laura Phillip I think they're the top three runners in this field mm-hmm. but she can she can move um but yes winning a world title then you all of a sudden have everyone looking to you and you know Chelsea had a rough year emotionally um and seemed like mentally struggled a little bit early in the year she's had to do a whole lot more media um she's you know I'm you know hopefully she has someone sort of taking care of her and making sure she's not doing too much Um, I'm sure she does she's a very smart athlete and been an athlete Mm. for 
a long, long time running prior to triathlon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a completely different game coming in, but having said that, if she, you don't know, switches her brain off and just goes and does her thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, she, she's in my top three. Me too. Yeah, she is. My mine as well. Well, I, I, I can't go top three. She's in my top five, a hundred percent. I'm playing it easy, playing it um, easy this day, but um, definitely. When it comes to picking what tri-suit to wear on race day, there's literally only one option, and that's Win Republic. Win Republic have just launched their brand new collection, the World Champs 2023 collection, to celebrate the Men's Ironman World Championships in Nice and the Women's Ironman World Championships in Kona. It's a strictly limited release collection and uses Win Republic's latest technology in the Lukeo Plus Aero tri-suit. It's their best-selling, fastest tri-suit to date, and will be used by the defending Ironman world champion Kona this year, Chelsea Cesaro, for that exact reason. Head to Win Republic's website to check it out and use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off anything you buy. The crazy thing is looking at, like, I'm sure we're all looking because we we love Torsten's stats, like at the tri-rating um, rankings and just seedings. Mm-hmm. And the top seven women are all expected within just over three minutes of each. Like that's crazy. That's never happened before. So it's nope. just and those and that's Chelsea Sodaro, Anne Hogg, Daniela Reef, Taylor Nib, Lucy Charles, Laura Phillip, and Kat Matthews. And then mm-hmm. you know there's always going to be someone surprising outside of that. So it's like it's insane. What do you yep, guys yep. think like for the swim? how do you see the swim playing out? Do you think Lucy goes off the front or do you think like Taylor Nib and Lauren Brandon are able to stay with her? Um, What do you think? I mean, either that happens yet. Like, I mean, I think there's two scenarios, right? Like either Lucy just attacks the side of the swim and gets away or Lucy doesn't quite go as fast. Brandon gets on and that then allows um, uh, Taylor Nib to get on. And then you've got like a a couple of other women who could be up in there too. Like, um, Oh, I'm blanking on names. Oliveira, uh, Chura, Clark, um, Beck Clark. Yeah. So there is like a, there's a group of really fast swimmers, um, but whether they can, you know, stick to Lucy. And it seems like there's, there's more really fast swimmers this year or does Lucy still um, like bust it out of the gates and, and get a little gap. And then, then is it like a, you know, a, a second pack of those still super swimmers, but not quite Lucy super swimmer. Right, ahead of the main pack. I, I think that Lucy will have a little gap out of the swim. I think she likes to have that. It lets her have control into transition. It also lets her control the first bit of the of the bike. And the thing that I love about Lucy Charles Barclay this year is we she's hardly done she's hardly done any racing. So you're you're I'm anticipating that she's going to be coming in mentally so incredibly fresh and determined. You know, she's had, she had a period of time there where she wasn't allowed to leave the country because of visa issues etc with Europe and um, the whole Brexit thing uh and so I think she's going to be so insanely hungry to do well and I think she's sick to death of coming second you know I I really think this is a year that it's make or break for her she knows it's probably the best opportunity that she's had to cross that line in first place so I don't think she's going to play it safe she's done that before she's how many times has she been second now is it three I mean before I mean come on I think she's, I think she'll go in now and it'll be all or nothing. She's going for the win. And if she can't win, then it'll be whatever will be. So I, I think she will attack that swim. And I don't think she's going to want anyone to swim with her. I think Torsten's got, uh, what's he got? Taylor coming out around a minute down. 
So you're right, Rinnie, if there are if there are people like Hayley Chura, Rebecca Clark and Lauren Brandon that are able to fill that gap within that minute, then it mm-hmm. might be a little difficult for her to get that to the, get that that solid gap out of the swim, but uh, she looks like she's in such good form. So yeah, I, I'll be very interested, but I, I would love her to swim hard and really make them chase. Yeah. And as you said, to your point, Lucy did battle an injury earlier in the year. And so she really sort of was starting to right the ship. Uh, we saw in Singapore, mm-hmm. she raced very well in Singapore, but same as Chelsea. Chelsea had a super cool yeah. year, didn't finish Roth, which yeah. might actually be a good thing for her. She doesn't have Roth in her leg. You know, she, yeah. she worked super well, swam super well. Obviously that was an unbelievable day by Daniela Riff. Um, but Chelsea was right there until she had to pull up with that injury. So both Chelsea and Lucy, I think are going to be like primed for this, right? Like you talk about like setting your year up and it's hard not to, you know, pick some great races to do like Roth, like whatever. Um, and, but they do take a little bit out of you. And if you haven't done those mentally, you're ready to, you're willing to, you want to hurt. That's where you've nailed it, Rennie. It's not so much the physical, I think. Um, as women, we're able to back up physically again and again and again. I know back in the day, I used to race four to five full distance races a year. Physically didn't have a problem with that, but it was this. And by the time I got to Kona and I was ready to go and I was pumped and I'd be on the bike, on the bike, killing it. But it was that ladder, that second half of the marathon, even down to the last 15, 12 to 15 kilometers where I just, I know I didn't want it enough because I was, yep. I was, I was tired. I was mentally tired and you don't know that till you get to that point. And when mm-hmm. you get to that point, I was just willing to settle. So if I was in sixth, seventh place, I wasn't willing to fight for third or fourth or fifth. And I'm like, no, nah, this is good enough. I'm okay. I mean, you cannot go into Kona with that attitude. You have to be wanting to fight right down to the last step across the finish line. And I think that's where Lucy Charles Barclay, Chelsea Sodaro are going to have it to their advantage because they're they're going to be mentally as well as physically absolutely primed. And I think that's going to be the difference maker here because that meant obviously going into a race with that mental strength is in an Ironman is like so important. Like everything, everyone on this start line is fit. Everyone's done the training. Everyone's peaking. But if you have the mental edge and you're like willing to, you know, fight, willing to like fight to the death, basically, that's how you win. And I think they're going to have it in them. Um, That's not to say that Annie doesn't have it as well. That's not to say Taylor Nib, it's her first time, super exciting. Like it's a new, new experience for her. So she's going to have that like wide eyed um, naivety, right. Coming in like, Mm -hmm. uh, let's, let's, can we, let, let, let's talk about that. Speaking of Taylor Nib, because I think it's a it's something it's a question on everyone's mind. Everyone has an opinion. Um, everyone has an opinion on whether she should actually be there or not. Whether she should be allowed to race because she hasn't technically even done a full distance race before. You know, back in our day, Rinnie, back in your day, I you got had in. to validate. Yeah. No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't. You so got to I'm do exactly it. Exactly the same as Taylor. So I won seventy point three worlds, and that's how I got to Kona the first time. And then when I won in twenty. And then I did my yeah, second. Had to validate. Yeah. My second Kona was my second Ironman. So Ironman 09, Kona 09 was my first. So exactly the same as Taylor. I qualified off a of 70.3. I did um, Kona in 09. I qualified for 10 because I got second. And the top 10 qualified then. And then they changed all the rules. I remember you had to, I remember one year watching you just go, go through the motions to, to validate. I there was that- a joke about like uh, chips and yeah. um, <laughs> chips. Yeah. In the marathon, I totally I'm remember in, this. I'm in Florida. Yeah, I went out. To, I'm in Florida three weeks after 
Kona so I could get that validation done so I didn't have to do an Ironman the next year. And I think that, I can't remember which year that was. It's a, stu- it's a stupid rule. It didn't work. Yeah, totally. But, but they've kind of gone back and who knows what they're going to do um, moving forward. But um, Taylor won the 70.3 World Champs last year and she, you know, that was all she had to do. Um, and so it is what it is. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for Taylor, I mean, that's what I'm trying to think. I'm saying more, you know, obviously we know that her main goal is Paris next year. And I think she's got a real shot. She's, she's such a brilliant, diverse athlete, but I just wonder, is it, is it a year too early? Should she have tried next year and, and just left it one more year? And obviously I would just love to know what the thought process was with her camp in that it had to be this year. And, and obviously I'm assuming it's this year because it's Kona this year and next year it will not be. And that's the reason they've decided it's now. But, you know, I mean, there's pros and cons both ways. We know that she's prone to injury. Uh, and I just, I just wonder if it's the right idea. And maybe it's the mother hen in me thinking and talking now. And, you know, I might be eating my own words on Saturday when she's absolutely obliterating the field. But it certainly has added an extra bit of spice to, to the women's field this year. That's, there's no doubt about that. And I think we all sort of still come from, even though we are very next generation, we come from the old school mindset of like, it's just not possible, right? But then mm-hmm. you look at, you know, it well, it, recently it was possible for Christian and for Gustav. Mm-hmm. So maybe Taylor's our, our next, our, our female version of these guys, and she might do it just as well as them. She might do it even better. So it will be very cool. But what's interesting about that though, is Christian opted not to do well, you know, Ironman world champs this year, right? He decided that he's all in for Paris. Uh, so, you know, yes, he's able to like go across distances, but it took him a while to get back to top form in Olympic distance. Yeah. And look at, and look at Gustav, look at Gustav. I mean, I know there's been other things going on in Gustav's life as well that have not helped, but still it's the same deal. And it'll be interesting to see if that's going to be what happens now with, with, with Taylor. I, I totally agree. But that's exactly the conversation I've been having with friends about this. Yeah. And I like, I don't know. I like see both sides. I'm, you know, she lives in Boulder, trains in Boulder, trains under my um, same strength coach. Uh, we mm-hmm. had dinner with her like just a couple of weeks ago and tried to like give her as much information as possible about Kona, what she should do, what she shouldn't do. She's like wide eyed and um, absorbing as much information as possible. But what I I don't know. I, I look at it two ways. Like she's young. She has this opportunity. Her mum's racing the world champs. Yeah, she's, yeah. And she wants to have the chance to race in Kona. And, you know, I, it's not going away. I think they have a contract with Nice for four years. So I don't think it's going away from Kona. So there's at least going to be one more Kona. But And I don't think it will ever go away. But she's worried that it might go away. And she's like, well, I have mm-hmm. this opportunity right now. My season's over. I've got until whenever next year. But I think... I don't know that me being a mother hen um, and I guess kind of protective kind of, if I had her ear, I would probably say, don't do it. I would say, focus on Paris. You're young. You can race Ironman for the next 10 years plus. um, And you have plenty of time to do this, but you know, who knows how long she wants to be in a sport and maybe she just wants to, you know, try and win everything. And and maybe she can, I mean, that special and do you think I mean Rennie talking about that obviously you know you you've you live in Boulder you've probably seen her out training what I would love to know has she has she been out has she been doing the the old sessions that we used to do like the five and six hour bike rides and and the the eight hour bricks that we you know the good old days where you'd 
where you'd go out and you'd be on the bike for five to six hours, hours down in those error bars and then you'd get off the bike and you'd run for an hour or an hour or 90 minutes. Has she been doing those sorts of sessions? No. Uh, she basically trained for Paris and uh, the test event, obviously, and that, that fitness, I mean, carried mm-hmm. over for 70.3 Worlds and she won another title there. She didn't even, dis- she had this, in the back of her mind. And I don't think she really even decided that she was going to do it until a couple of weeks after. So that runway is then very short. Right. Um, and she parted ways with her coach um, in the last month. Yeah. So that's a big change for her. And she's, she's with um, Dan Lorang now, Dan Lorang. I think I heard someone told me. Um, I don't think. I don't know. That's what I'd heard, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, oh, that's a see. That's a secret. Is it? Oops. <laughs> You know, there's no I secrets. I'm sorry, my friends. There are no secrets in the triathlon world. It is too small. I think, I yeah, I mean, uh, I, no, she's not with Dan Lorraine yet. Uh, I think he basically, to his credit, said, yep. he said, I can't take anyone else on right now. I have my women and I'm uh, Fair enough. Them. Fair enough. And Absolutely. Let's basically, like, after Kona, I think um, they most likely will start working together. Yeah, okay. Well. Which ma- that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, yeah. But she's basically just been... Um, you know, obviously whatever, what she knows. And she's been taking advice from Lawrence Van Lingen, who's yep. worked on a bunch of and been in and around the sport for a very long time. He's kind of been helping her out and sort of guiding her. And Aaron Carson, who's a strength coach and a good friend of mine. So, who's, co- who's coached how many uh, incredible Ironman athletes over the years? Strength coach. But, she's sort of, but, but she came alongside me for basically all of my, well, since 2013, I think mm. is when I started with her. And that's, I won that year. She did all my strength training for that whole time. She did all Tim's strength training and, and she's coached like so many other, um, you know, great triathletes, Ironman athletes. So she's observed. And so I think she just kind of, they both have kind of guided her to the start line. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously very knowledgeable people uh, love the sport, um, know a lot about the sport, but yeah, I mean, she's, she's, this is a completely new wheelhouse for her. And I mm. think, she is kind of like, I mean, she's she's tailored nib, right? She's going to try and win, but she doesn't know. Like, we don't know if she has the capacity or has done the work to be able to, you know, the last half of the marathon, it'll be telling, right? Uh, it's telling for everyone. But um, I think that's really when we're going to see, you know, whether she's done enough work or whether she has the abilities now, right? Like, I think it takes some people a while to, transition that short course explosive speed into like endurance and be able to just hold like whatever 220 watts for you know four and a half hours and- yeah and having and I think more than that really having the patience uh, I think the greatest thing and I was never a short course athlete <laughs> at all but even for me back in the day when I first started doing full distance racing it was having the patience to just know when to, to bank it to bank it for a little bit before letting it go and and not using up all my bickies on the bike and, and and then exploding that last half of the marathon or not even the last half but that from that 30 to 32 kilometer mark onwards and you don't know that you've gone too hard or, or, or used too much energy till you actually get to that point in time and so it'll be interesting to see whether she's able to have that patience going into the race particularly yeah. when let's face it we know that there's going to be a point in time when she's going to be leading the race it, it's inevitable 
I was going to ask you guys, how do we think that, so we've gone through the swim. How do we think that the bike is going to play out? Like, when do you think Taylor will catch Lucy if she's not with her? Do you think anybody else comes into a factor on the bike? Mm. Do you think Daniela is going to do what Daniela usually does in Kona? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Where's Kat Matthews in all this? Is she coming up through the, through the field as well? Yeah. I mean, all really good questions. I mean, does that might, I mean, let's talk next about Daniela Riff. Like, I mean, the woman's won five Ironman World Championships. She's won, she was unbelievable in Roth this year, like just incredible. Untouchable. It's like that, then yeah, she wins. Mm-hmm. But it's it's going back to Kona and being able to mentally go there again. And that's my biggest, mm-hmm. like, I can only go from experience. And once, I sort of had done Kona, you know, five, six, seven times. It became harder and harder to go there and care as much. Like I've done it. I, I've reached the top of our sport. I've seen like all, like been given so many wonderful opportunities. I've got all like the best partnerships. Like I don't get any more money. I don't get any more whatever for winning. Now it's kind of expected and it's, so it's less exciting. There's less shine. There's less excitement for it. And so that's my only worry for Daniela. Like, if, if she has that fire in her and she is so tough and like, you know, she pulls it out time and time again, but I just don't know, you know, after all these years, if she still has that same fire and with a field like this, she's yeah. going to need it. Absolutely. Every single inch of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I know, and obviously I've never won it, so I cannot speak from that perspective, but if I go back and look at, how I, my results were, I think it, I was 14th one year, then I was 10th, and then I was 8th, and then I, I was getting better and better, exactly what you think. You know, you're back and you just want to keep improving. But then there was that point in time where I started going back the other way, and I kept going back thinking, I just need one more, just one more good one, and then I'll call it quits and Kona. And it never happened. It just got worse and worse. And I think my last result there, you're right, it was 2010, and I was 30th, and I knew that was it. It was never, it was never going to be going back the other way. And you're right. Every time I went back there, it was just that much harder to find that fight, to find that, that mongrel in me that you need to finish in the top half of the, of the field. Yeah. And it's magical, right? Like the first few years, like you're like, Oh my God, these are all of my dreams. The first, you know, three, four, five years, probably four years. So come back the fifth year, you're like, okay, I've done this all. It's the same thing, the same road, Harvey. It's not as it's, it's still really special. And I look back and I'm like, that was amazing. But in the moment, you're just like, oh, I'm tired. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm thinking about the I'm thinking about the after party yeah. the next night, having a few drinks with exactly. friends, getting in a bikini. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And you and you know how much it hurts, right? Like how much it hurts that yes. race. That marathon, oh. that heat, like oh. to have to dig. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It's that hard. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of the flip side to Daniela, there are the people now that have that fire, that mongrel, like Mm -hmm. Kat Matthews, like she Mm -hmm. essentially got, you know, robbed last year with a a bad car crash of what could have been an amazing race for her. So I think she's like really got that fire. Um, And so she's one that like, I think we should definitely watch because she's not going to be backing down at all. Yeah. Kat's a, I mean, you you can't really call her a dark horse because we've kind of all called her out as someone who could win. Like she showed us in 70.3 world, she has everything together, right? Like she's going to be slowly, but surely ticking away, racing her race the whole way. 
right? Like she's not going to do anything stupid. She's a smart racer. She's a very good runner. Um, she'll put together a really good uh, fast yeah. marathon off a very strong bike. And yes, yeah, she might be a few minutes back, but what fireworks are going to happen up front, right? Like yeah. just push a little hard because Daniela's coming up because Taylor's in there uh, all of a sudden. That's when you have to bank on for winning like the race of attrition, you know, mm-hmm. just being there the whole time and not only not getting slower, but probably one of the few. Actually that- getting faster. Yeah. And she's just hard. You know, she's got more fight than probably any other female athlete I've ever, ever come across in my life. Like, she may not be on paper, obviously the, the best athlete on paper, um, but she's definitely, if it, comes, if it comes to absolute fight and giving every last inch of herself, then that is the woman. And, and you're right, if she's within striking distance in that last five to eight kilometres and people start to crumble in front, well, then watch out because she will run them down like no man's business. I'm really excited to be able to finally talk about something I've been keeping myself for quite a while, and that's Precision Fuel and Hydration's newest product, the Flow Gel. The Flow Gel has been designed to fix a problem we've all had at some point of how do we carry enough fuel for our long rides and races, because we've all had to stop at gas stations or corner stores on long rides because we've run out or go to an aid station during a race to take on a product that we've never tried, never tested, and don't really want to use but have been forced to. That's where the Flow Gel comes in. The Flow Gel is 300 grams of carbohydrate in one gel. It's a slightly different formula to their regular gel though, which is where the name Flow comes from because it flows out of each gel pouch really, really easily. And because of this, they've also released a Flow Bottle, which is a bottle that has a scale on the side so you can squeeze the Flow Gel into it and like chuck it into your bottle cage on the bike or carry it on a run. And then as you drink from it, you'll know exactly how many grams of carbohydrates you've taken on of the 300 grams that you started with. You don't even have to add water because they spent so much time engineering the perfect mix of, of the gel. Each flow gel contains the equivalent of 10 gels, but it's resealable. So you don't have to use it all at one time if you don't want to. And it is basically the exact same gel as my favorite precision fuel and hydration product, the PF90 gel, just prepared slightly differently so it flows more easily. Leon Chevalier um, was testing on the run-up to coming fifth at the Ironman World Championships in Nice. And he said that he used to have to squeeze 10 gels into a bottle before a race, but now he can just pour a flow gel into a flow bottle and that saves him time and um, it just helps him keep, tab, keep tabs on exactly what he's getting on board. He just loves how efficient and convenient it is and said that it really did change fueling for him on the lead up and race day uh, at the Ironman World Championships this year. So that's huge coming from him. Flow Gel is available on pre-order now exclusively on Precision Fuel and Hydration's website, which I put the link to in the show notes. It'll be shipping most places by mid-October, um, right in time for the Aussie and Kiwi summer of long rides and for the rest of the world, probably right on time for uh, your long trainer sessions. Remember to use the discount code HTT23 for 15% off when you do decide to go on pre-order some. Want to shift gears and talk a little bit about Annie Hogg? Mm. Yeah. Well, she's still my favorite. I mean, at the end of the day, if, I, if I'm put on the line and I have to give the person I think that, that will win, it, it, it's Annie Hogg just because her preparation just seems absolutely faultless. Uh, you know, obviously she trains at Club, Club La Santa and she loves it there and it's her, it's her happy place. I haven't heard along the grapevine of any issues, no sickness, no injury. She obviously looks great, as do all the other women that are on the island at the moment. But I, I think she knows that, not that it's the end of her career, but this is her, again, this is a really good opportunity for her to take the win in Kona one last time. So for me personally, she's my favourite. I think if she wins, she she would be the oldest winner, mm, male or would. female. 
Exactly. She will She's be. So what a cool 40. title. I'd yeah. love to see the 40 plus club get a, get a tick on. <laughs> Me tick too. On. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Just 40 or is she 41? I think she's 40. Okay. I don't know exactly. I agree with everything you said about Annie uh, BG. She looks amazing. She had a really great performance in Singapore. She's been quietly going about her business. She had a very good race in Rope. Um, mm. So, like, I think her year's been set up perfectly around this race. Mm. Last year, she overbiked and didn't yep. run to her ability. And so I fully expected to see like runs in the two forties from the women. And I thought, you know, obviously I thought Annie would be leading that charge, but she overbiked a little. Um, and that's going to be something that she's going to have to figure out. You know, there's going to be a time in the race where she's like, do I, do I, you know, burn a few matches here? Do I have the fitness to burn a few matches here and still be able to have my trademark run at the end of the marathon? So hers going to be a bit of patience and a bit of like calculating, like, okay, how much time, you know, if Chelsea gets out of the water uh, ahead of her, which is what she did last year, um, then, you know, she's going to want to be with Chelsea, right? Because that's sort of yeah, the yeah. ability. Is she with um, Laura Phillip on the bike? Like she, I mean, I back Annie over Laura, but still that's not really someone you want to have company with on the bike. No. Um, <laughs> head of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, she's going to have to make a lot of decisions, I think, on during the race and, and, calculate decisions and if she looks after herself and bikes you know very solid but not you know crazy and then just runs like she runs I can't yeah I I, I could see her winning as well I've got a question Rini do you think your run record can go down I think my run I thought it was going to go down last year so I, I, I didn't what, what is your run record again say it out loud two, 250 like 20 something okay okay so just over 250 I ran 250 twice in Kona. Is this a decade ago now? Crazy. Well, 13 and 14. So 14, I ran um, like 10 seconds faster than the year before. So, yeah. <laughs> Far out. Got it. Okay, so not a decade yet. We can't date you, well, date you with yeah, that one. Exactly, yet. yeah. But, but, yeah, almost, like pretty close. And, yeah, I thought for sure it would go down last year with, you know, the, the yeah. women racing, like the caliber of women racing, and then obviously – we didn't have those super shoes back then, you guys know. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Let's be honest, Rini. What do you think you could have run with the super shoes? I don't, I don't know. I would, I would love to know, though. Definitely sub 250. <laughs> I have no, absolutely no doubt. Yeah, when are you running a marathon with me, Rin? Yeah, definitely. When Probably in like five years when my kids are a bit bigger. <laughs> but like, <laughs> let's go trying to do the world majors at 50. <laughs> Well, didn't yeah. the, didn't we just get another world record? It was it Chicago Marathon? Where did we saw another world record go? Yeah, the yeah, men's Kipchoge, yeah. record met. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So that's two two marathon records that have gone in the Hours last thirty five seconds. Yeah, I mean, you talk, you listen to the sort of running podcasts, and they they sort of say for their um, obviously quicker times that they reckon if you didn't have the super shoe, you're giving up like four to six minutes. Oh wow! Okay. Wow. Yeah. And that's like obviously very different to, you know, <laughs> 20 to 30 minutes faster than what we've run. Mm, far uh, out. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they set favor. I don't know. Maybe my running style was great for the minimal shoe. I don't know. I would like to run in the super shoe. Just to see. Yeah. <laughs> like just when I can see. get back in really good shape, I want to go and do a marathon and just see. 
one thing's a given. I don't reckon a super shim makes any difference from my running. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> so, so we've gone through all this. Are we going to do picks now? Or are we just putting it off? We haven't talked about Laura Phillip. Yeah, Laura Phillip. Oh, yeah. Um, and we do want to talk about, I'd love to talk about Lisa Norden. Um, yeah. Fen- I, and Fenella Langridge, just because I love the way Fenella races. I know she's just, she just is always, she's the happiest racer in the world. And let's be honest, the most, she's, fun. She, the most fun. She's the most fun athlete in the world. But she's yeah. also one of the greatest swim bikers in the world. So regardless of whether we think she's capable of, 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 of top three or top five, we know that she is definitely going to play a part into transition into T2 because she's one of the strongest swimmers and she's an exceptionally strong bike rider. And it's just a matter of what she's yeah. able to, to, to hold on to throughout that marathon. But she can change the race. She definitely plays a part in, in uh, tactically in the race. So I think Fenella, and she's in good form. Uh, I know that she's had really good training. She's been in Kona now for a couple of days and she's settled. So, yeah, definitely Lisa Norton, Fenella Language. And, and are these the women, as Beth said right back at the beginning when we started, you know for a fact there is going to be someone that comes from left of field that, that we did not even talk about today and we're going to go, damn, why did we forget that person? So I think there will be that, that one person that just has the absolute day of their life. So maybe we should talk about who we think that might be. <laughs> well, first we've got to talk yeah. about um, Laura Phillip because oh, she's yeah, definitely- absolutely. She has everything, you know. Obviously, she's going to get out of the water probably with Annie if she if she mm-hmm. has a good swim. Um, if she gets down much further behind Annie, I think it's going to be. I mean, she's Difficult. a phenomenal person, but that's going to just you know her work's going to be cut out. Uh, yeah, and then she's going to have Lucy in amazing form, six minutes up the road. Uh, I don't yeah. know what Thompson has there um, for her uh, out of the swim. Yeah, he's got a he's got a he's got a coming out of the swim a fair way, forty over forty seconds behind Annie Haug on, yeah. on paper. So, you know, that's mm. gonna make it difficult. He's got her coming out in fifty eight fourteen. She will she will need to swim faster than that. You're right. She needs to come out with the likes of Annie Haug. It will. The swim the swims will make a break for, for Laura in this particular race with this field for sure. I think Laura's always been on good form in Kona though, but she's had some bad luck before, like with um a penalty or so I think again she'll be another one that's really you know she was just starting to shine pre-COVID and then COVID hit and she never really got those like fruitful years in Kona that you know she would have deserved at the time so I think she's going to be one of those ones with the big fire under her as well because it's like been a long time coming. Last year having that penalty like she was right in the mix there last year and it was just such so heartbreaking to see you know, I, I mean, I think it's good that they give out penalties. 100% they need to give out of course, penalties. Of and, and she just made an error, and um, unfortunately. But, yeah, so, you know, you don't, like, see anyone get a penalty, especially not an athlete like Laura who can ride a bike, right? Like, mm-hmm. she's not trying to draft off anyone. No, um, no. Yeah, it doesn't not need to. Doesn't need to. No. <laughs> but, yeah. Lisa Norton, you're right, Rennie, could have, like, she she did really well in that race in St. George the when the Ironman World Championships was there. I think she was, did she come fifth or sixth? But she had a great race, and her bike is always, you know, she's going to not only make herself a factor on the bike, but could potentially pull up a couple of the, pull up, you know, in a legal fashion, a couple of the 
people that are coming through the field as well. Like if a Cat Matthews is near her Sidaro. and people like that. Yeah, like Sadaro, I think will be like looking to Lord Norden to sort of form a partnership there because they won't be front pack, but they'll be probably that second pack. Um, mm. And then there's people like Scott Munch and Sarah Crowley. In, Sarah Crowley mm-hmm. hasn't been acting as well the last few years um, as she was back in like 1918. Uh, but Sky Munch is sort of on the upswing. Um, and that's sort of, yeah, very strong sort of they'll they'll swim around Sodaro, or at least they did last year. And then they'll get on the bike and be really strong on the bike. And those athletes like that around Chelsea, it's only going to help Chelsea's cause. Yeah. So the swim is going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because people like Chelsea or like Annie, if Annie can like hang on to that pack or is Annie back with Laura, like that's going to really impact how they have to bike to get in position for, uh, to set themselves up for a win. Yeah. And the only thing that question mark, I suppose, of someone like Lisa Norton, who I've known for years and is an extraordinary athlete. And the same a little bit with Fenella is they are definitely going to play a part in the swim and the bike. We know that without a fact. It's just how are they going to hold on the run? Because both of them tend to more often than not have issues when it comes to that extreme heat and humidity and running a marathon. That's the only only question mark I have over both those athletes' heads is just how they're going to be able to cope with the conditions on the day. They're both phenomenal uh, runners as well, but it's just whether they can cope with the conditions. It's a little bit like, you know, when we look at Emma Pallant-Brown, one of the greatest runners in middle distance racing the planet. But when we, for some reason, when it gets to that extreme heat and humidity, they just can't quite nail it. And we don't get to see the best of them, you know, when it comes to the run. And there are a few athletes like that. So that's the only question mark I have over someone like Lisa, Lisa Norden. Yeah. I mean, I think Lisa. Sarah True's. Oh yeah. Sarah True's another one that. Sarah True. Absolutely. Exactly the same. Extraordinary athlete, but are the conditions going to, going to hurt her too much? Yeah. I think, I think Norden at like probably on a great day is fifth or sixth. Mm. Uh, just because I mean put her in Nice different story well this is and, and, and good good point Rini we go back to you know changing is this going to be a great thing are we going to see a completely different set of results next year when the women's race is in Nice because athletes like Sarah True um, Lisa Norton Fenella Language where, where heat and humidity are not going to play a part like everyone was talking about Nice being hot this year but come on it, re- it really wasn't um, it was normal conditions oh, but put Daniela in, in, um, in Nice Oh, right. Holy yeah. shit. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's gonna, the race is going to be over halfway through the bike. But yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So in that, in that respect, I do like the idea of the world championship changing because it, then it does give every single athlete an opportunity to showcase their strengths. So you, you, you're dead right. I look, looking down the list there, there's, there's not many other, like obviously there's so many great women like Danielle Blymel, Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. even like I'm interested just to see how Barbara Riveros does she's like yep. a little yeah. phenomenal ITU athlete um stepping up to Ironman she hasn't really done anything in Ironman yet but it's Kona yep. she could be someone yep. who just like surprises everyone because I think she'll race really well in the heat um just probably won't have the bike power of the you know those top women um yeah I, Ruth mm-hmm. Astle uh, another one mm-hmm. Um, we'll be down in the swim, but strong little biker and a, and, a, and a good marathon runner, probably looking at sort of fifth to 10th at best. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm excited. 
next one. Even someone like Laura, Laura Siddle, we don't ever talk about it too much, but she has been so insanely consistent in Kona, top 10. I don't, I don't know how many times. All the time. All the time, top 10, top 10, top 10. And because she's not that top three to five, we don't tend to talk about it too much, but she's, you know, she's got to get 10 out of 10 for consistency and kind of, which, you know, Rini is not an easy thing to do there. And she, you know, was hit by a car earlier this year and, and had swelling on the brain, pretty nasty accident where a lot, a lot of people don't realise the severity of that particular incident. So just for her to make the start line this year, I, I would love just, I would love to see her have another solid race. It's going to be tough, obviously, because of what's happened. But yeah, I think if anyone deserves to have a, a, a great race or another solid race in in Kona, it's it's Sid. And yeah. um, yeah, I would love to see it. And she, I know she's over there with her, with her coach with Dibs. She, they're there on the island together. So yeah, I think that's my set. That's a sentimental one for me. Plus, it's a point for the forty plus. She's like forty three. Yeah, another one. Yeah. The other girls. And that's what I was going to say. A cool story is Mel McQuaid is 50 yeah. years old and that's she's racing. in Unbelievable. Field, so, yeah. So I'd love to see her have a solid finish. Like, I don't think she's going to be top 10, but like Mel is a strong athlete. Like she could definitely be top 15, top 20, but just to finish in the pro field with a solid race at 50 years old, would be absolutely incredible. And I think it makes her the oldest, um, old, yeah. it would make her the oldest. Pro finisher. We need, hey, Rennie, we need, where's Dee Dee? We need to get Dee Dee out, but she needs to get back. I to know. She was, <laughs> she was trying to get back to qualify. Um, she raced a couple of times this year and just couldn't get it done. She had a little injury pop up in Mont Tremblant, which was right. be a opportunity for her to qualify, but she's desperately trying to get back to do one more Kona to like do it for the over 50s, um, which is, yeah. I mean, incredible that she's still doing what she's doing. Oh, I don't. Oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'm, I mean, I'm 53 this year and there's no way, there's no way I could get through this now. I'm 42 and I'm like, yes, I can't do it. I can't do that. Forget it. That, that ship has sailed. I, not that I can't. We can watch. I don't want to do it either. No, I don't want to do it either. I'm quite happy on the other side. Yeah, like the, the training, the the pain that you have to go through to get to be able to get to the start line, like, Oh, it's incredible. It's insane. I just, I have so much respect for, for both those women, both Dee Dee and Mel, because, you know, I, I raced with Dee Dee and Mel back in the day. And, and especially with Dee Dee, we spent many days, uh, many times racing together on the, on the Queen K together as well. You know, we spent a lot of time. The last time was that infamous, obviously, when Chrissy got the, got the flat tire and both, we were in second yeah, place yeah. at the time and we, we rode past and, and so I have so many fond memories racing with, with Dee Dee and I watch her now and I know the training that she would be doing to be where she is. And I just, well, I mean, you know, Beth, I do a 45 minute ride class and I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> That's enough. But, but also Dee Dee yeah. does it better than we ever done, did it. She trains harder than, like, and more and does more recovery. Like she's freaking out there 20, like 24 seven. She's basically a triathlete. Like I really, I mean, I, yes, there was times of the year where it was super focused, but she's like that year round. I mean, to have that discipline, no way. So, that yeah. mental fortitude, mm. so hard to just still keep up. Cause even, and you guys are the same. Like I look back and, you know, we've all done lots of Ironmans and at the time we were, I'm sure we're all like, yeah, that's just what we do. Like no big deal. I can go out for a six hour ride. I can do this. And now in hindsight, I'm like, that is absolutely amazing. Like, I can't believe that I did that. Like now <laughs> looking too. back, it's just, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, like, you know, so in awe of everything 
are accomplishing and it's great it's cool to know that like we've done we've been there we've been on the start line we know how it is but I think we also all three of us really respect everything it takes to go in there at your best because I'm sure we could all do it as mediocre you know you could Mm -hmm. get on the start line and eventually finish but to compete where these women are at their very best putting 110% in all the time takes so much. And it's amazing to see that like unfold on the race course for them and to have some amazing stories. I just can't, I'm so excited. Belinda, I wish you were coming. Oh, don't you talk about, I've got the worst, you know me, I get the worst FOMO of anyone on earth. Everyone keeps asking me, are you in Kona? I'm like, no, I'm not here at home. And I wish I was there. And I know that the whole weekend is going to be an absolute bloody write-off because I'm just going to be behind my computer all day long. But one thing I wanted to talk about, because we've we've spoken about the athletes now, and of course that is the most important part, but you know me, I've moved on from that. What <laughs> is the what is the after party gonna be like this year? Because it's gonna be all women. It's gonna be a bit odd. You don't think it's gonna be a little bit odd? Well, what might be odd is the underpants run. I feel like that's a bit <laughs> interesting. I was thinking the same thing. But to your point, Beth, I think there's a lot of like the age group women have gone out with their partners. So there's yeah. going to be a so lot. So there'll still of, be men. Yeah. So it just won't be the pro mm-hmm. men, which we love, but um, there'll be still plenty of, I think there'll be plenty of men out there. Um, on. Men will be stoked. Nice was funny because we were out, you know, sort of partying after the race and everything. And I'm looking around and there's so many dudes and I'm like, <laughs> the odds are good. Good to rod. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love that the odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> I'm, I'm married, happily married to Luke, obviously, but it's one of my favorite expressions. And I kept thinking it in my head. I the odds it. are good, but the kids are not. Hey, listen, girls, I've been married for coming up for 25 years and I still, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of eye candy. So sorry, but that's just the way I feel. <laughs> hey, we all got to triathlete for many different reasons and there's nothing wrong with that. You're like a fit man. Yeah, I, I'd be lying really if I didn't say it had a little bit of a perv every now and again on TO. Your husband's, he's, he goes all right. <laughs> all right same with luke mckenzie yeah come on oh yeah yeah funny funny little cocoa butt starting to lose the cocoa butt these days though but anyway oh he is not rinny and jazzy are both the original male and female cocoa bum mine's lost that's like pregnant rubbish rubbish it was always jazzy was cocoa butt and you were cocoa junior i still remember All right, before we digress too much, do, let's do our picks and then oh, afterwards yeah. we can just chat. I, actually, I refuse to do a top three. I'm not doing it. Okay. Let's just not do it. Nobody's here to well, make us do it. Well, why can't we do, no, why can't we just give our top five in no particular order? I like that. Okay. So give five women, not necessarily in the order they're going to finish in, but they're the five women that you think are going to be the, the, the main players. That's even hard. Like I, I have six. I've I have seven. <laughs> seven. 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 You, go, you go first, B. All right. Um, Anne Haug, Lucy Charles Barclay, Danny Reef, Chelsea Sodaro, Taylor Nib. That's my five. And if I was to add the extra two, obviously they would be Katrina Matthews and Laura Flynn. But I'm not adding two because yeah. that makes it too easy. Gotta that's the same. I'm the same, Fiji. Uh, that's my like five and extra two. My five would be a little different. I think I have Cat Matthews definitely in the top five, um, but I don't know who I'm taking out of there. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think I, might, 
her nib out of there. And though, like, I would love to see her win and she's American. Like, that would be very cool. Um, I I just think that she might need another year. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't have Taylor Nib as winning. I have her in the top five, but I do not have her as winning. It can't be yeah. possible from an old school person where you have to do the hard yards. And it takes me back to when, remember when Chris McCormack, or remember when Chris McCormack first went and everyone thought he was going to win it off the bat and it took him a few goes and, and I thought years. that was good. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I, not that I want it to take that long for her, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I think I like it when people, you have to pay your dues first. I know that's so old fashioned and it's typical, you know, old school, but I don't want someone to just go and then. Jan didn't win his first nope. time. I think he was third. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he definitely didn't win first time. But yeah, I think sometimes, and you know, it's, it's an old thing that we all used Danny to say, you've got win. to pay your dues. And yeah, so I, yes, exactly. So I don't want that to happen. You're not going to pick a winner? Uh, Anne Haug. Haug, yeah. Ooh. I'm going to go with Danielle Reef. I'd love to see her yeah, win. That's a, that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> Nobody's going to pick her. I would love to see Chelsea win, obviously, because she's our sponsored athlete. Um, but I just think that I... Uh, I just think Daniela might not be. I mean, we just, did you see what she did in Roth? Like, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. But how many times can you do? How many times can you do that in a year? That's the, that's the issue. I, know. I mean, she. True. You know what? You know the difference when I watched her, and, I, and and I'm not just saying this because it's easy to say in hindsight. But obviously, I was in Roth, and I go to all of the things that the pro athletes are at, particularly the race briefing, and I just I watched Danny like a hawk. And everything about her, her body language, her demeanor, from the day that she rocked up in Roth to Roth to the day she, she got to the, the start line, she, was, she just had this air of quiet confidence over herself. And I remember saying uh, to several people, there's no one's beating her because I could just tell that she was in the zone. She wasn't over-talking things up. She wasn't under-talking. You know, with, sometimes with the women, I, I, I'll be honest, I get so pissed off at press conferences with the women when they say I'm just gonna race my own race and I don't mind what anyone else is doing around me oh bullshit you're there to race everyone on that start line stop it you know men have never have a problem with saying it but for some reason the women are always no no I don't care what anyone else is doing and I'm just gonna do what I I can do and and what is in my control and no one races like that that's that's a fib um and I just think with Danny she was willing she was ready she said you know what no I'm I'm going to race hard and I'm here. I feel good. Everything's right. And I'm going to do exactly what I need to do to win this race. And I thought, oh, thank God, someone that actually is backing themselves and, be- and believes in themselves without being overconfident. Uh, and she did it. Everything she said leading into the race and everything she did played out on the day. And so if we do get that Danny Reef, then, yeah, look out because she'll be, she'll be absolutely unbeatable. But sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Rennie and I will send the coconut wireless back to you of how everyone's looking this week. And we can, exactly. we can change our up till Friday. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So Jack, just Jack, make sure you know, these are just our temporary pits. We get yeah, until we get around the athletes. We can't the day before well. the race. Yeah. yeah. I need, I need, I need eyes on ground and ears on ground for the press conference. So we know what's going on there. And it's amazing that there's been no scratches yet, like no rumors of scratches or anything. I was say the same thing. Really amazing because no. every year, I mean, we still have a few days still Kona, but every single year, like I don't know what it is, a curse of the island, but there's usually a couple of athletes that pull up sick, get injured, crash their bike. There's none of that. I haven't, every- I haven't even heard any any mufflings or any rumors, Any nothing. Everyone seems, all the main players are in good form. No mufflings. What's that word? I love that. 
Um, Beth knows I make up words all the time. Oh, Belinda. So she, Belinda will always be like, oh my gosh, Beth, it was gastronomical. I'm like, excuse me? It was a delicious. She's like, it was gastronomical. So anyway, I always make fun of Belinda for the words she makes up. It's, uh-huh. it's always a good time. Um, you know what else is a good time? Both of you at the Kona after party, I think maybe 2011 <laughs> was like the highlight was a really good one. We were peaking. <laughs> BG and I. We were peaking. We were peaking. definitely 2011, don't you think? Was that the rainy one where it was like pouring rain? Yeah, so one little story though. And I used to think at the end of the day when my performances were really subpar in Kona, I thought I'm going to make up for it in the after party. And I used to think of myself as being the, the, the world champion of the after party. However, I was taken down one year by Rinnie, and it was that year in the rain. It was Michelle Vesterby and Rinnie at Huggos on the rocks, and it started to pour, and we all got absolutely drenched, but it was the best, still to this day, one of the best parties we've ever had in Kona. And I turn around, and all I can see is both Michelle Vesterby and and Rinnie doing the worm on the sand, and they were like crumbed sardines. Even neither of us could do it. We were all so sunburned and sore and just like we, we couldn't hold ourselves. Who decides to do the worm when it's pouring rain on sand? That was Vestaby. And Vestaby's racing this year. She's We saw her. She was smiling, of course, and just like she looks like super happy to be here, super excited. So yeah. it'll be, be fun to watch her race. She'll be unreal. I, um, yeah, we we I'm glad we got to to talk about Vesta before we, we before we hang up because she really is. She's uh she's another vanilla language, just loves it, loves being out there, almost yeah. gets high on racing, which I love. And yeah, it'll yeah. it's good to have her back on the island, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Until she's not smiling, though, one year she was having a rough race and I actually passed her in the energy lab and I was like, "Does it? do you hate it when people tell you to keep smiling now or something like just joking oh. around with her? And she's like, I just want them to tell them to stop it. Stop it. <laughs> it was yeah. like having to work. She's yeah. like, I don't want to effing keep smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. The F-bombs that come out of with, with the European accent. It's so oh, great. I love yeah. it. I know. She's hilarious. I love it love it but um yeah we, we we might have to have another podcast uh post Kona with Jack to obviously dissect the race itself and to dissect the after party because I'm very keen to know how that after party is going to play out this year without Jack, Jack the us on the rails. yeah that's right we'll have Jack back uh and just so everyone out there knows the reason that Jack is not on this podcast is we didn't actually steal it from him we didn't hijack it he's actually a little bit crook at the moment so you know we're we had to do, take it on on our own just because he's a little bit sick. So we, Jack, we hope you get better soon, mate. Poor bugger. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, oh. all right. Oh, Wonderful. Yeah. Next time, next time, I hope we're doing it in Noosa over a bottle of wine. That's all. That's the only thing yeah. I will. I will One change. Bottle. Well, several. It'll it'll probably be another year till Rennie's back in Noosa because they've yeah. got the new addition coming in during her usual. They usually so the. Carfrey O'Donnell clan usually comes to Noosa where Belinda and I live around January, February every year. And we have several good times, not only training, but also hanging out and having dinner parties, dinner all parties. of us together. Yep. So um, we're sadly going to have to skip this year. So we're going to have to rain check for 24, 25, right, Rin? Yes. But you'll be back full force by then. Yes. Oh yeah. We like well and truly back. back <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, right. listen, thank, thank you, you so much, my loves. It's so good to talk to you and um, absolutely cannot wait for this weekend. It's going to be 
off the charts. If you want to take your swimming seriously, you need to be wearing form goggles. There's a reason why so many of the world's best triathletes use them in their training, from the sport's best swimmer in Aaron Royal to the likes of Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden. Using them in training makes your swim sessions so much better. You can see the pace you're swimming the whole time, so it makes doing intervals and sessions that much easier and more specific. You don't have to be trying to use your watch and fiddling around with it or looking up at the clock between every, every interval. You don't have to be swimming and guessing how fast you're going. Using form goggles literally takes so much of the annoying parts of swimming away and makes things less confusing and more professional. I describe them to people who haven't used them before as the equivalent of using a GPS watch when you run and ride. And we all know how much better that makes your running and riding training. So use the discount code HTT15 to get 15% off your form goggles and see why everyone who takes their triathlon seriously chooses to use them. You seriously won't regret it. They change your swimming training for the better and you'll be glad you decided to try them finally. 